Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, I'm here with Derek. We're listening to Impact Outdoors. Uh, Marcus Kwanwinkel from Otsomi Safaris. Uh, we do hunt in South Africa, that's where we live, and uh, we always always say we have a big areas in Tanzania. Uh, hunting is our passion, conservation is our uh, drive, and uh, I'm looking forward to spending time, some time with Derek. I think that's a big part in South Africa, anywhere in the world. When you're born and raised there, you don't appreciate it as much as guys that they do not get to experience that every day. And we didn't never realized how big of an experience it would be for guys that never experienced that. And uh, now it's a privilege. That's that's my best part of my job. It's getting guys in, seeing the excitement on their faces when we do get to spend it outdoors and chase down some some animals to hunt. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Impact Outdoors this week. And uh, we were lucky enough here a couple weeks ago to sit back with uh, my friend Marco Schoonwinkel from uh, South Africa and uh, Matsomi Safaris. And we were at the Houston Safari Club show and we got to sit down and have a great conversation about um, what the last couple years has been like in the uh, hunting industry over there in, in Africa and, and just all the craziness that's gone on with the COVID pandemic and and, um, and and what what a safari is really like, what it's all about, um, what you can expect when you go to Africa to hunt um, or to do a f- photographic safari. Um, lots of cool things, had some great stories in here as well, some pretty funny ones, so stay tuned to that. And uh, um, But really just wanted to, to kind of pick Marco's brain you know, I've never been to Africa and always been um, wanting to go and do that. So this was really cool for me to get to sit down and talk with him and uh, and uh, kind of see what to expect from going over there. So with that, man, let's jump right into this week's episode with Marco from Watsami Safaris. Uh, good morning, Derek. I'm Marco from Watsami Safaris. 
uh, born and raised in South Africa, hunted all over the place before and uh, can't see myself doing anything else than being outdoors and, and hunting. And uh, yes, um, born and raised in the country. After school I studied uh, game launch management, got a degree in that. And that just made me realize how important hunting is as a tool in conservation. Especially in South Africa, we've did fencing. There's a lot of fences, and that's the biggest management tool we have. And uh, hunting puts a value on our game, and if it pays, it stays. That's Africa. So uh, that's why I have a passion for it out here, and uh, spend a year, about three months every year in the U.S. trying to convince some guys to come over and visit us and uh, have some fun out there. Yeah. Man, well, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. We're actually um, we're actually at the Houston Safari Club Foundation's hunting expo, and uh, here in Houston, Texas, and we're actually booth neighbors. So it was good meeting you yesterday, and uh, we got, we hit it off and was talking about all kinds of stuff and and uh, hunting, obviously, and, and family and all that stuff, and how the last couple of years have been kind of a uh, probably a nightmare situation for a lot of the industry in different parts of the world because. It's definitely more strict in some countries than others with COVID and transportation, getting people in and out of countries and stuff like that. And uh, but I really I wanted to start off with um, just I know you you know you're from South Africa and stuff, but what was it like growing up for you as a kid? Like, was your dad did he get you into hunting or was it kind of the family tradition? And, and what was it like growing up over there doing all that? Is my dad was actually born and raised in Namibia, which was back then Southwest Africa before they got independence of Africa and uh, that's what they did as a living uh, mostly back then was just for the meat he never saw a real value um, well not a real value it, he never thought you could make a living out of hunting for them game was out there it was part of their life and uh, they just made mostly hunted for meat the family would come in and hunt for meat and uh, never get to he never thought there was a market for letting other guys in and experience what was basically every day living for him yeah. and uh, I think that's a big part in South Africa anywhere in the world when you're born and raised there you don't appreciate it as much as guys that do not get to experience that every day mm -hmm. and uh, we didn't never realized how big of an experience it would be for guys that never experienced that and uh, now it's a privilege yeah that's that's my best part of my job getting guys in seeing the excitement on their faces when we do get to spend it outdoors right and chase down some some animals to hunt man you know and, and that's i think we all pro everybody struggles with that like the normal it's around you everywhere and you don't realize how different it can be for other people and and um you know I, we talked yesterday you know i've got a fishing charter business and it's the same thing you know i do it all the time and then I, I it always strikes me you know everybody wants to come down here and catch a shark or something they see on tv and just that's what they want and that's all they want yep. they catch one they're happy so i assume when they come over to see you, you know you have some people that probably have you know certain things they would like to see and photograph or harvest you know or whatever for their trophies and stuff but um you know just the experience of being somewhere for the first time you know it's just got to be such a thrill for somebody especially in africa it does and that's that's the thing guys would be from kids watch tv shows in over here in the states and see a kudubu walking and it becomes a lifelong dream for them mm -hmm. and to able to sit on a show and talk to that guy and make him realize that it's not that expensive it's accessible and you can actually come over and take a big kudu bull himself or whatever yeah. and fulfill that lifelong dream it's special mm -hmm. it's uh, 
that's probably the most rewarding part of our job is uh, sending guys home and fulfilling those those yeah. hunting dreams they had as a kid. Yeah. In the US, it's the same thing. We back home. I went ice fishing a week ago. Since since a child, I've seen that. Never thought I'd be crazy enough to try it, but right. it's uh, it's experience that will stick for me forever. Yeah. Yep, I have not been on the ice to do that yet, so you're braver than I am. Although I got a lot of friends doing it right now up north, so and we may be doing it here in Texas if it doesn't warm up soon. (laughs) (laughs) I came down from uh, Philadelphia and uh, out west before this, and I thought I'm going to come to Texas to nicer weather than this. But hopefully, it gets the guys to stay indoors a little bit and come and visit us and uh, talk to them. Yeah, yeah. It was literally I think 28 degrees this morning, so it's normally like. 50 to 60 <laughs> somewhere in there so <laughs> but you know i get used to living down here on the coast everybody's always in flip-flops and shorts all the time so everybody's running for jackets and stuff and uh, nobody has anything right now because everything's bought up so that's a fact but um so uh you know i wanted to ask you a couple questions about you know one of the thing you know is like when people come down there like do you get do you get a lot of times where there's like families that come or is it mostly all male hunters is it kind of a mix of male and female what's the demographics on that side of things for you what's nice about it probably 80 percent of the guys that aren't with out of south africa is families Mm -hmm. husband wife and their kids that's awesome and uh, that's great get those kids out there and there's so much to do with the wives even they're just out there with us they take thousands of pictures out there and experience the game experience the wildlife and experience what what hunting does for the communities around us yeah and the people working on there and the people living there physically on the ground and they're the ones that suffer first with all bigger up decisions made around our hunting in south africa mm-hmm. so that's a big big struggle block that we face right now guys making decisions that's not on the ground with us yeah. seeing what what impact it is and uh, but yeah taking out families that's awesome what are some of the decisions that are going taking place now that is really affecting you guys? For those that don't know, I know we talked about it yesterday, but um, right now importation of trophy animals—that's that's something that they they they're trying to stop, mm-hmm. and uh, that's gonna that's gonna hurt our industry a lot. That and the regulations, definitely. Like for example, into the U.S. importations of uh, some trophy animals. A guy's not going to come over to us and spend a couple of bucks shooting those animals and not be able to take it home, bring it home yeah. and see it mounted in his house and share the story of how he did spend three days tracking it and hunting it. And uh, so that's going to put a big, big, big dent in our industry as soon as they get big decisions like that through. And then donations, most of the decisions gets made by money and uh, guy sitting in an office block getting an email says donate 20 bucks toward for example the elephants that's being shot out and poached out and almost extinct in south africa which is not true at all but that guy thinks he does a good deed and he donates his 20 bucks and sooner than later they have more money than they know what to do with and the right people gets paid off and big decisions are swung in their favor Hmm. but uh, that's uh, that big wheel will keep turning Guys have made those decisions and uh, they see the long-term effect is is terrible on our game. South Africa's game population, last time I checked, grew with over 400%. Yeah. And the managed, biggest management tool we use is hunting. And why do people not understand that? 
like you know as well as I do that a lot of people's perception they think it's Disney's the Lion King over there and we're people are going over there and just killing all these animals and leaving them and just taking pictures with them just so they can have their heads on the wall and that, and that's not it that's not that's it. not the true heart of a hunter um, and just like you said the conservation side of things and and I want you to elaborate on it, but I mean, there's so many different avenues that the hunting industry can affect over there. Definitely, I think the biggest biggest threat for us is emotion, because like you said, guys, see, an elephant is not an elephant anymore; it's Dumbo. A lion is a lion king, and the emotion part of it is our biggest problem. We should start thinking realistic about it, take emotions out of it for now, and the misperception. I had ladies come up to me and said. Why do you just go out, shoot them, cut the head off, and leave them? That's the perception of mm-hmm. most people out there. They don't see the 40 families that buffalo bull that we just harvested is feeding. Right. They don't see that we we employ over 20 people with their families that live right out in our hunting areas. They don't see that. And as soon as they're going to take away that, they're going to take away the meat out of their houses, and then they're going to start poaching. Mm. I'm going to poach. If my family is hungry at home, I'm going to go out and sit stairs. That's how what we do. We need to yeah. provide. So we're providing at this stage for them. But as soon as you take away that, we're going to take away mate. We're selective hunters. We only shoot the old guys, the old bulls. They don't have an effect on the population anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't have an effect on the numbers growing anymore. That's perfect. Yeah. They have a value. We come in, we take the value, we feed people, and the client goes happy home, and they fulfill the long-time dream of it. Yeah, and man, I don't know what it is, if it's ignorance on people, you know, just, or what, but, you know, it's the same, you know, you got groups like PETA and, and all these other anti-hunter groups and stuff, and I've talked with this about so many guests on the show, like Robbie Kroger and, and Chris Dorsey and stuff, and about, you know, just trying to change the perception, you know, it's the it's the, the same thing, um, I had Chris Fisher um, from O-Search, for the guys that tagged the great white sharks yes, all over the world and, and just fighting that perception of Jaws and what that movie did to people's <laughs> realistic ideas of what sharks actually are, you know. And, um, you know, it's it's tough. It's really tough. It is tough. And uh, unfortunately, the only way we're going to change that perception if we take them out. And we just... And the facts already prove it. So I don't know what more proof needs to be given out there. Kenya, for example, closed down hunting a long time ago. And they lost so many of their wildlife population mm-hmm. because they closed down hunting. So the, the fact is already there that stopping closing down hunting, preventing guys from hunting, it's not the answer of saving our wildlife. Yeah. For people already intervened. That's If everything was kept natural, wide open space, drought would take care of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. There's so many factors that would take naturally eliminate the numbers and keep it well balanced we already screwed that up as humans if there's no water in an area we give water in an area we put fences we put roads we put village uh, we put villages we put buildings we put cities and it's just keeping better and bigger and uh, the areas for the game is just getting less and less yeah. so we need to manage it more intensive and it's going to be Growing, growing, growing. So the intensity of our management plans has to grow with it. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, South Africa is doing a really good job at that. We can see it in our numbers growing. We can see it in our game prices going down. I can take Sable, for example. 
when I started hunting, you could not shoot a sable for less than eight thousand US dollars. Wow. Now we're down to four. Mm-hmm. The only reason is our numbers picked up. Right. Our management plan works. So that's unfortunately emotion is going to stop the hunting part of it but that's our biggest tool and uh, hopefully they let us keep using that to keep our numbers growing yeah. so my son one day that's now three years old can uh, do the same thing i do mm-hmm. and uh, fulfill more dreams like we do every year and uh, that's the biggest part about it so hopefully hopefully that uh, they let us do what we like to do and uh, have a passion for it seems like uh, with everything going on in the world right now, it's just like a black cloud over every industry and way of life all over the place, you know. And, and you know, living in the U.S., people are spoiled. Like, they have no clue what it's like, you know, in, in other, other places. And I've traveled some in Europe and stuff and just seeing the difference in, you know, how the governments work and communities and things like that. And, and um, you know, just people need to get out and see the world you know come see you guys and and uh, and do stuff do stuff like this and and you said you know we talked a minute ago about photography like you don't have to go to africa to kill anything nope get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So, I mean, how 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 big is that part of the business? It, is, it, it is a big part of a business. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, big, big reserves, big five areas that thrives on photographic safaris, that thrives on that. They still give a lot of jobs out there. Like I said, come over to the family, the wives always have something to do. We have a great great setup for photographic safaris. So it's a big, big part of it. But if they're gonna close down hunting, we're not gonna have the A game to photograph. Yeah. If we take a big park, for example, I'm not gonna name names. If you take a big park, there's a thousand elephants in that park. The current capacity of that park is probably a thousand elephants. If you don't monitor that numbers, they're going to grow and grow and grow. In a couple of years, you're going to have three, 4,000 too many in that area. Mm-hmm. They're going to destroy the habitat for all the other species. Right. So in 10 years, what are you going to have? You're going to have a park full of elephants. They're not going to have enough water. They're not going to have food. They're going to start dying of thirst and hunger. And then there's nothing left. So with photographic safaris, needs to be management of that areas. Biggest management tool we have is hunting. Right. So I think if you can combine those two... It's going to be a perfect life. And we come in and we shoot the older ones out. That's not going to affect yeah. anything of the population. Let's to down. So, uh, but definitely that's a big part of Africa. And it creates so much jobs. Mm-hmm. Photographic safaris. You c- they're creating jobs since the day they land on the airport. They're going to use a taxi. They're going to use a hotel. They're going to mm-hmm. get out. They're going to use our chefs. They're going to use our drivers, our trackers. And all those guys' families live right out there. And they need that money. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully that can keep going and... Uh, we can make a success or keep making a success out of it mm-hmm. without many people that doesn't know what's going on in the ground yeah. has an effect on it. Shoot. Well, how, um, when COVID started, this coronavirus pandemic that has affected us just a little bit, you know, did y'all see the writing on the wall, like what was to come with that? Or, I mean, how big, a, I mean, I know that's had a huge impact, uh, but like, how has that affected you guys? 
over there. Yeah, and uh, they just realized us more how important it is. Just for like not like 2020 when COVID did did us bad, and they closed down all the borders into our country, and South Africa was on a complete lockdown. Um, there was no hunting, there was no photographic safaris, and we saw how big of an impact it had on our economy and on just on our poaching in our area. Mm-hmm. All the numbers picked up on all the poaching in all our areas that we do hunt because we weren't providing any meat anymore, right. we weren't providing money, jobs. Forced poaching. Forced poaching, basically. that's yeah. it. They're, they're, they're poaching for the meat. If it comes to rhino poaching and poaching for ivory, that's a totally different story. That's uh, that's money driven, yeah. but uh, it's tough for me to 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 uh, judge a guy that goes out and puts a snare around to feed his family. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, f- there's no, that's what they know. Yeah, they're born there. They know how to track. They know how to drive. They know how to hunt. That's what they know. Mm-hmm. If you take that away, they can't go to the city and look for another job. Mm-hmm. They don't want to move out there. Yeah, they like staying out there. No tourism. There's nothing coming in. You know what are you gonna do? So. So I'm, I'm glad we will be able to open up after a year. We could, and what uh, well I take my hat off and have a lot of respect for the clients that did that. They came in, yeah, they not knowing what to expect. Not knowing what to expect. The first guys they just came in, and uh, the thing about a hunter is adventurous. Mm-hmm. A photographic safari guy is not that adventurous, honestly. The first guys that came in and uh, got our economy <coughs> moving again was hunters. They're the guys that doesn't care to sleep underneath a tent mm-hmm. and eat a can of beans cooked on the fire. That's yeah. that they're very adventurous, and that's that's what I liked about them, and that's uh, what got us going quick. They got in quick, and uh, we managed to do some hunting, and that was awesome. Yeah, that's good, man. So, well, tell you know, I've never been on one of these, yeah. so I've, I've got a friend with me today. He's done a bunch of them, and we were talking about it on the ride in today, and, and that we was going to do this and stuff. But you know. For somebody that's never done a safari over there, say with your company, like what is their experience like from getting there till they leave? If you talk about a guy that comes over the first time, we have a bunch of packages that we put together that helps the first time guy. There's a handful of animals that guys usually want to shoot first. Mm-hmm. And we have those packages put together and that package basically includes everything. What we like to do is you just need to get to the airport. We pick you up at the airport and there from there on out we head out to camp and uh, we'll probably get in there and uh, make sure your rifles are all set up mm. and uh, then we do most of 95 percent of our hunting is all walk and stalk so we nice. get him nice into fit yep. shape after the yep. safari and uh, we don't share a camp so when you get into camp it's just you and your party huh, okay. sharing the camp with your chef and your professional hunter and uh, in south africa we own the game there's about a handful of species that you need to apply permits for if you need to want to take them out and hunt them. Mm-hmm. But other than that, if we out there in the bush, we can basically shoot anything that we see that's old enough and big enough. And uh, mm. that's what makes it exciting. We can get up in the morning just before dark, just before light, have a good breakfast and then get out hunting. Yeah. And uh, you don't know what you're going to bump into. You can walk for three hours and it'll be Kudubul steps inside of the road or a games park. Mm-hmm. Go to the areas where you know they like to hang out, but uh, after that you go back to camp, have a good meal again, have a little siesta. Mm. It's a lot of clients. We make turn that into a tradition over there. <laughs> Heat of the day, we do hunting is not as great, so do a little siesta and then go out again and hunt until it's dark. Mm. Get back to the camp and uh, share a bunch of stories which become a little bit of lies afterwards right. of the hunt. You know, yeah. no, no one wants to admit if they made a bad shot out <laughs> there. So. 
but it's a uh, it's always fun hearing everyone's stories at night around camp and then tomorrow we do it all over again yeah man so what i know you've got to have some uh some crazy stories from <laughs> all the years you've done this you got to share a couple of those with this i had uh, <laughs> i ended with a family it was a husband and a wife and a little daughter with them and <coughs> uh, we were she really wanted to shoot a zebra for mm-hmm. a rug in her room uh just by the way in africa if we do shoot all the animals if we do shoot something it gets loaded on our trucks and it gets taken back to camp to the skinning shed because mm-hmm. everything gets utilized the only thing they throw away from that carcass is the belly contents the grass and the, the leaves that it the ate. Yeah, that's yep. that's the only thing that does not get used so uh, we did a long stalk probably about a two and a half hour stalk on the zebra because needed to get nice and close mm-hmm. for the girl she wasn't very uh, experienced hunter and uh, she put in a beautiful shot on a big stallion. But before the hunt started, her dad asked me to put on one of those GoPro cameras on my hat. Yeah. And I said, that's not a problem. Then she can experience if they can go home and show the family. Right. Oh, I'm wearing this GoPro. And that was my first time wearing a GoPro. So we <laughs> go out and uh, she finally she puts a beautiful shot on a big stallion. And uh, everyone's excited. And I took a bunch of pictures and... Uh, while we're waiting for the truck to come in to load the zebra, I just natured cold, so I walked around this <laughs> big old tree there and uh, took a leak. And uh, you know, you just want to make sure everything's still in place. <laughs> and as soon as I looked up, I'm like, uh oh, the GoPro is still on, on my end. <laughs> so, crunchy boy with the GoPro, I don't have an idea how that thing works. <laughs> so, I have my phone out there and I'm sitting behind that tree trying to get a service so I can Google how to delete files from this GoPro that is on my hand. And it was a big mess. At the end, I had to walk up to them and confess. Listen, you must help me delete this last file. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I, You can't show this to the family. It's going to be awkward moments out there. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, so that was... Uh, that you love and you learn. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Electronics. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, so... so. But, uh, I'll uh, never make that mistake again. <laughs> so do y'all have, I mean, if you had growing up, I mean, did you have any, like, uh, crazy experiences out when you, when you weren't expecting to see an animal or something or, you know, a predator or something like that? Or Yes, so we had a, a couple of close encounters with predators, but uh, luckily if you don't bother them, they don't bother you. But I, I remember I just started dating a girl over there and we went out one night and we just light underneath the stars on the back of a pickup and uh, uh, ostrich makes a very similar noise to a lion <laughs> it has a, a deep roar almost to it so we're lying there and this i know there's no lions in the area but this ostrich not too far away sounds like a lion over there so uh, we did decide to get uh, she didn't know what it was and i thought wouldn't hurt if she lied a bit a little bit closer to me <laughs> And I actually told her, no, I don't know what it is. And uh, we took it easy. And uh, the ostrich walked a little bit closer and closer. And one stage, I'm like, I was starting to wonder if this was was really was an ostrich. <laughs> and I decided to get off. As soon as we left the truck, we drove about half a mile. And there was a lion right in the road. Whoops. <laughs> 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 if I knew that, I would probably got in the truck a little bit quicker. <laughs> but yeah, just experiences like that and being outdoors, out in nature... I wish that I can take out everyone and just let them experience mm-hmm. that, that uh, nature out there. And uh, 
the effect it has on you. Yeah. Uh, everyone that I talked to after a safari, they 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 thought they knew what they were expected, but totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different. They don't have an idea of the impact they have over seeing, on the seeing it firsthand. Seeing it firsthand. You don't see most of that over here. Like you know, if you watch hunting shows and that kind of thing, you'll see that they throw some of that in on these shows and stuff, showing how the locals will you know get to harvest some of that you know all of that meat for the most part and, and utilize everything. But but um, you know, you're preaching to the choir. It's you know, I mean, hunters, you know, you know, we're all conservationists and um, there's, you know, we know what's going on for the most part. It's I mean, have or have some kind of idea, but the general public, I mean, they, they don't know. They have no idea. So and that's when uninformed decisions get made. And yeah. that's that's the, that's a pity. Yeah, I wish I wish anti hunters would listen to more blogs. And uh, do a little bit more research, but they don't. Yeah. And that's just the sad part. Well, hopefully somebody will hear this. Hopefully we're going to share this out there. And and mind, definitely. So. Any other questions or calls, get in contact with us. Yeah. It's it's easy. And we'll explain to it. You yeah. don't have to like what you do. Just understand it. Yeah. I don't judge other people on what they like to do. Just be open. That's it. Just be yeah. open-minded and... Uh, Take it from there. Yeah. So it's a I don't like all the cartoons my kids watch, but I will sit there and watch them. With you them. understand <laughs> it. It keeps them on the couch for <laughs> half an hour at least. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Destroying yep. everything around so your house. So I, I had a couple other questions I want to ask you. So what is, um, what's your favorite type of game over there to eat? Oh, honestly, all our planes game is very delicious. My personal favorite is Eland okay. and Springbok. I've heard Eland's really Eland's, good. Eland's tender and great, but like I said... All the game we hunted gets eaten in camp. We don't provide any other meat in camp for our hunters, and we haven't uh, complained yet yeah. of the meat. It's it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a not gamey at all. It's a, it's all depends on how we prepare it as well. Our chefs yeah. know what they're doing, but uh, it's great. Me, my personal fridge at home is filled with game meat. Yeah, I don't even buy other meat anymore. Yeah. Healthy. So, what are some of the animals like? Um, like over here, we got a big issue with feral hogs. With pigs everywhere. I mean, they're probably some not too far from where we're sitting right yep, now. Yep, yep, You know, so what kind of animals over there? I mean, are warthogs similar in that fa- aspect over there or other, you know? Not really. I think the fact that we have uh, a couple more predators out there helps a lot. Yeah. And a, our lot, man, a lot more predators. A lot more predators. <laughs> that, that definitely has an effect. Here in Texas, we got uh, mountain lions, bobcats, foxes, and cars. <laughs> <laughs> cars take probably 90% of the animals that are killed out, probably. So, so no, that's we don't have something really that gets out of hand because of our management plans, mm-hmm. because we own them. So we have personal management plans to keep the numbers at a healthy population, which works great for us. As soon as the government's starting to control that, yeah. the greenies is going to, or the anti-hunters is going to come in and make decisions again that's going to affect us. Mm-hmm. But for now... We're lucky enough where we can do our own management plans, and I think that's the key to our success for not having something that the population gets out of hand. Yep. Yep. Cool, man. Well, um, trying to think. Have you got? Uh, have you got somebody that is on the verge? They don't know if they want to come over there or not. It's like, what? What would you tell them? Yeah. Here to kind of end the show. It is the tough thing. You can get the guy here, and you have a great conversation with them, and. Uh, I think the biggest thing at this stage is um, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid of what to expect when they get there. 
And like I said, I left my wife and my two kids back home. Mm-hmm. It's safe out where we are in the middle of nowhere. I think safety is a big concern for families coming over. The thing is, you just need to do it once. And uh, come shoot three, four animals. Uh, the prices is our first package starts at four animals, seven day safari for four grand. Wow. That's, that's, that's not much money. <laughs> yep. And uh, all your food, drinks, accommodation, everything will be included yeah. in that. So do the something like that. Yeah. You just need, we just need to get you there once. We'll mm-hmm. get you there again, over and over again, after you visit us once. Yeah. So I think, uh, take that leap, life short. And it's not that much money. If I see what hunts go for around the world. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, 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 it's crazy. And uh, the, f- the fun thing about it is we support a big orphanage as well. Uh, not too far from us. So uh, they get to see where the meat goes. They get to see where they utilize. They get to see what the whole story is why we so why we we love using hunting as a conservation tool mm-hmm. and uh, so i would just say take that leap we'll t- take good care of you over in africa and uh, we'll definitely see you in a year or two again yeah yeah that's awesome man. fantastic well dude marco thank you so much for being uh, on here there it was a pleasure and, uh, i'm uh i'm excited to get this out and let everybody hear it and and uh and come see it. What's the next show you're going to be at? I'm going to be in Salt Lake City uh, next weekend. And we also have a show busy in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania right now. Okay, yep. Big um, there. And after that, I'm luckily going home. Yeah. So when's, hun- when's the hunting season start back up for you? Um, our season usually starts about mid-March. Okay. All the way to October. Yeah. That's a good weekend on the whole year if we want to. But we prefer not to hunt in our summer months. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to start giving birth. The breeding season, we let them... Uh, Take it easy for a while while yeah. out here in the U.S. marketing. Yep, yep. Cool deal, man. Fantastic, man, Derek. it's been a pleasure and good meeting you. And Thanks. maybe I'll get over awesome. there and hunt with you someday. That sounds fantastic. No, uh, like so, I but said. I told you, next time, if you get if you come here next year, we got to go fishing. Yeah, definitely. So. That would be awesome. <laughs> always enjoy the outdoor. So. doesn't matter in which, which country it is. Yep. It's, uh, it's always fun spending it with fellow outdoorsmen. And uh, guys that have a passion for conservation because I think that's the biggest biggest thing behind all these guys is money to make everyone has to make a living but the bigger picture is uh, conservation put money towards it and if it pays it stays yeah that's unfortunately how it goes yep awesome dude all right thank you Derek. We'll you again. guys have a good day all right thanks right Offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.